Welcome to the Sermon Audio Podcast of Hill Country Bible Church, Georgetown. The podcast bringing you biblical messages that encourage you to put Christ at the center of everyday life. We're here to help you engage in the local church and to invite you into a life that matters through Jesus. If you have any questions about your next step, visit us online at hillcountry.life. And now for today's message. All right, good morning, everybody. I want to welcome everybody who's warm and at home online. And all of you guys, how about a round of applause for yourself for coming out in this, all right? How many of you are Northerners anyhow? So you're going, this is no big deal, wusses. Hey, before we get started, I've got a couple quick announcements for you. If you didn't already get this sheet of paper as you came in, it represents our elder candidates. We're going to be voting two new elders in on January the 28th at 6 p.m., Uh, David Sheremizu and David Uechi were excited. Our elders have spent time with them, interviewed them, and unanimously approved them. If you don't know about our church, we are an elder-led church. So the elders help cast a vision, shepherd the people here. And we're excited about these two individuals. They meet the qualifications for biblical eldership according to 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus 1. But if you have any questions or concerns, you can talk to me or you can talk to any of our elders. The contact information is at hillcountry.life. And speaking of the meeting coming up in just a couple weeks, I want to say a word about that. There's a lot that I could say, but you don't want to miss it. We're going to have some exciting news for you. 2024 has a lot in store, a lot of new initiatives that we're going to just embark upon this particular year. And I don't want to give it all away, but let me give you some overview, okay? Connections ministry, we're going to create new ministries to help connect people who are on the outside to our church and connect people to each other here in the body of Christ. We're actually launching a family ministry to strengthen marriages, family, parenting in our church. Uh, We're going to have some new communication outlets. We recognize there's always room for improvement in the area of communications, and so social media is going to be a big part of that. We're going to go deeper with small groups and discipleship ministry, provide more service opportunities. And then something I'm excited about, two particular initiatives that I'm overseeing. One is a comprehensive spiritual development plan for our church. So anybody who comes to our church, it doesn't matter where you are spiritually, we can help you take the next step. So if you come into Hill Country Bible Church, you're like, I don't even believe in Jesus. I don't know what it's all about. I'm a seeker. I'm interested. We've got something for you. You say, I'm a new believer, or I'm a growing believer. I'm a mature believer. I want to go into ministry. We're going to have something for you. And then on a grander scale, we're actually going to be launching in the coming years a biblical and spiritual training center. And that's going to go beyond just the scope of our church. I'm interacting with people nationwide that will come in here and actually be a part of teaching. And so that's really exciting. And I could go on and on and on, but we got to get to the sermon right now. But uh, anyhow, 6 p.m., January 28th. You don't want to miss it. Okay. So I wonder how many of you here have ever stopped to ask yourself this question, why do you do what you do? Why do you do what you do? Because chances are in similar situations, you respond with similar actions. And to get us started, I wanna give you three common scenarios to consider. What do you do in the morning? What do you do at a restaurant? And what do you do with your money? So how many of you, when the alarm goes off in the morning, you hit the snooze button. Raise your hands, okay? That's your general MO. Maybe not all the time, but you hit the snooze button, possibly repeatedly, right? Beep, doom, beep, doom, beep, doom. All right, how many of you, 
as soon as your alarm gets up, boom, you jump right out of bed. You're, you're ready to rock and roll. You're, you're there. Okay, there you go. How many of you, you get up even before your alarm goes off? Right, you're the first one at the meeting. You're all jacked up. You make the rest of us crazy, right? I wonder, why do you do that, though? You ever stop to think about, why do I do that? Why do you do what you do? Okay, next question. You go to a restaurant, and usually at a restaurant, there's a healthy option and a better tasting option, right? So how many of you, most of the time, maybe not all the time, but most of the time, I go healthy. Raise your hands. Come on. Bring it up. That's good. Be proud about it. How many of you are like, Brian, I am eating out. It is better tasting all the way, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Healthy choice. Yeah, I'm going grilled chicken, right? Better tasting. Give me the chicken fried steak and mashed potatoes and gravy and okra and cherry pie and vanilla ice cream, all to the glory of God, right? (laughs) But do you ever slow down and actually stop to think about why do you choose what you choose in those moments? Why do you do that? Or when it comes to your finances, and don't raise your hands on this one. Don't raise your hands. But, but I wonder, how many of you usually put God first? Like, you're a good steward. You set aside the first portion of your money for the Lord's work, and you save some, and you manage your money well, and you see God's faithfulness blessing your life. Or, like most people in the world today, I wonder how many of you spend pretty much everything you got month to month, like paycheck to paycheck, or you spend more than you have. That's actually more typical in our day. But do you ever stop to think about why do you do what you do? And why do you almost always do the same things over and over again? Well, there are a number of secondary reasons you do what you do. We're going to talk about those up front here because they're important. But then after that, I'm going to turn to the one primary reason you do what you do. So let's start with our secondary reasons here. One reason you may do what you do is because you feel obligated to do what you do. You feel this sense of obligation, you know, I want to be a good mom, a good dad, good friend, good worker, or you feel obligated to obey God. That may be it. Another reason you may do what you do is simply because, hey, I want to do what I do. Like you want to do that. You want to please God. You want to be more disciplined. You want to show love. You want to make the wiser choice. Okay, a third reason you may do what you do is because you want to be liked, right? You want to be accepted. And that's why some of you work so hard to get just the right picture. You take it over and over again. You put that filter on there so you can get enough likes, right? It's about likes, being accepted, being approved. See, there are all these secondary reasons in the moment we may do what we do. But there is one primary reason. And let me tell you, I guarantee you, this is the biggest reason you do what you do. It has to do with your identity, okay? And I put this on your notes. Here it is. You do what you do because of what you think of you. You do what you do because what you think of you. In other words, the driving force, the biggest driving force behind our behavior is our identity, how we see ourselves. Proverbs 23, verse 7, this is our key verse. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. For as he thinks in his heart, so is he. Our identity, how we see ourselves, drives our behavior. And by the way, this is now backed by science, particularly psychology, which shouldn't surprise us because God created our minds, science, our brains, all that. And science spends a lot of its time trying to catch up with what God has already said in his word. 
In fact, there was a recent study that was released, and it talks about three questions we all ask ourselves subconsciously. In any situation you face, okay, in your mind, without even knowing it, in a split second, subconsciously, your mind processes three questions that end up determining what you do. The first question is this, what type of person am I? What type of person am I? You face any kind of situation, and whether you know it or not, you kind of categorize yourself. You say, well, I'm a believer, or, or I take shortcuts, or, or I'm disciplined. What type of person are you? And then you ask the question, what kind of situation is this? I mean, you may not even realize it in your mind. It's going through your mind in a split millisecond. But you ask, what type of person am I, and what kind of situation is this? And then finally, you ask, what does someone like me do in a situation like this? See, those three questions, they fly through our minds, and they determine what we do over and over and over again. What type of person am I? What kind of situation is this? And how does someone like me respond in a situation like this? And so you may find yourself in any number of different scenarios in life. You may be tempted to say something that you know you shouldn't say. Or maybe you're a student and you're taking a test. You don't know the right answer, but you can look over and you can see the answer on your buddy's sheet. And you may be tempted in that moment to cheat. Or maybe you're tempted to make somebody look bad by gossiping about that person. Or maybe you're tempted to be generous, to help somebody in need. Or somebody hurts you and you choose to forgive them. Or somebody does something that doesn't seem quite right, but you choose to believe the best about that person. See, you do what you do because of what you think of you. What type of person am I? What kind of situation is this? And what does someone like me do in a situation like this? So for example, in the morning, your alarm goes off. Okay, what type of person are you? If you think in your mind, well, I'm the kind of person who hits snooze, then it's going to be beep, snooze, beep, snooze, beep, snooze. That's who I am. And so that's what someone like me does in that situation. Or maybe if you think, no, I'm the type of person, man, before the alarm even goes off, I'm watching and I jump up and I'm ready to take action. But you see, before you do any of that, in your mind, you're thinking, this is the type of person I am. Or you're driving down the road and somebody cuts you off. Okay, what type of person are you? Yeah, some of you, you're the type of person who brings justice on behalf of God. <laughs> oh, no, you don't. Uh-uh. And you track them down, you preach to them. There's one way to God, and it is this way, right? That's the type of person you are. Or maybe you're the kind of person who said, oh, man, they, they cut me off. You know, I, I did that yesterday. Maybe they're in a hurry. Maybe there's someone in there about to give birth. Maybe there's someone at the hospital. Maybe they're just a bad driver, but I'm gonna give them grace because I've done the same thing. Like, what type of person are you? So many different scenarios. Someone brings donuts into the office, okay? What type of person are you? You think, oh man, I'm the kind of person who knocks everybody over on the way, baby. Like, I'm gonna get the first two chocolate frosted cherry filled ones in the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Those are mine. Are you that? Or, or maybe you think, well, I'm the kind of person, yeah, I like donuts, but I brought my own healthy snacks, and I'll just enjoy those instead. Or maybe you're the type of person, and honestly, I'm this way, you're the kind of person who, who kind of eyes the donuts from a distance to start with, right? And then you walk over, and you look closely at them, right? 
and you kind of smell them a little bit, and then you walk away and you ask for help, right? And, and I, literally, that's the kind of person I, I, I will go over, I will smell the donuts, and then I'll walk away, but occasionally I'll come back and eat like half a donut, right? Anybody else do that? And then you tell yourself, that doesn't really count because it's only a half a donut. And then if it's still sitting around that other half, I'll come back later and, and finish off that other half, and I'll tell myself, you know, it's much better if you spread it out over 12 minutes. <laughs> that's just me. Can anybody here relate, though? Like in every area of life, you do what you do because of what you think of you. What kind of person am I? What kind of situation is this? What does someone like me do in a situation like this? Now, oftentimes it happens so fast subconsciously, but every once in a while, it'll consciously cross my mind. Like I will be in a situation where I pause and I consider, should I take action here or just go about my business? And I may come to the conclusion that just to sit back and do nothing, that would not be right. Something in me says, that's not the kind of person I am. That's not what I normally do. But in every situation, your mind goes through these questions. And you do what you do because of what you think of you. And so if you ever wonder, how come I can't change? Like, how come I still lose my temper how come I still look at stuff I don't want to look at? How come I find myself falling back into the same bad habit over and over and over again? I'm telling you, you can trace it back to your identity, how you think about yourself. And so here is a key thought. Don't miss this. If you want to change what you do, change what you think of you. If you want to change what you do, you got to change what you think of you. You need to change your identity, who you think you are. And I wonder how many of you like, are like me. And honestly, when you think about who you are, it's easier to believe the bad stuff than the good stuff. Let me see your hands. Raise them up high. Yeah, why is it that we have this tendency to kind of lean that way, this tendency to believe bad things about ourselves? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because the devil is a liar. And he has been lying to you, people, from the day you were born. Listen to this. Jesus said this in John 8, 44. The devil, he has always hated the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. And here it is. So when I tell the truth, you just naturally don't believe me. Jesus says, you've been believing the lie from your spiritual enemy for so long that when I try to come to you and tell you the truth about who you are, you've been so pre-programmed by the lies that you just don't accept it. You don't embrace that truth, but that's the truth that can set you free, people. And so you're so used to hearing, well, you can't change. You'll never be faithful. You're not a real man of God. You're not a good mom. You'll never be financially free. You'll, you'll, you'll never break free. You'll always be addicted. You'll always be stuck. And hear me on this. It's easier to believe the lies. It's always easier to believe the lies. I know because I do it, okay? I have a natural bent in my personality so that initially I always go negative worst case scenario. In fact, for much of my life, I tended to motivate myself with negative motivation, which sounds like an oxymoron, but it can kind of work in, in a destructive way, but it can kind of work. On the, on the plus side, if somebody tells me that I can't do something, whoo, now, I love that, right? Because that makes me fired up. I'm going to prove them wrong. I'm going to show them. I'm going to give 110%. Just tell me I can't do that. Go ahead. But on the negative side, 
I often have this tendency to set ridiculously high standards for myself. And then I beat myself up when I mess up, when I don't accomplish that. And not just in the moment, people. Like for days, weeks, months, years, decades later, after it happened, I'm still beating myself up. And so I've had to learn that the devil can get in my head. Because when you do something you're not proud of, the devil never tells you, oh man, that was just a momentary slip up. Like that's not who you are. God is still with you. No, he's not gonna tell you that. In fact, the devil doesn't tell you that you did something bad. You know what he tells you? He tells you that you are bad. He goes after your identity. He attacks your identity. You're worthless. <laughs> you should be ashamed of yourself. You're pathetic. You're, you're not the real thing. You're, you're a hypocrite. You're an addict. You're a loser. He pins it all on your identity. So you think, well, that's just who I am. And what is he doing? He's lying to try to get you to think wrongly about yourself. And here's what happens. Your distorted identity sabotages your spiritual success. When you have a distorted identity, that's going to sabotage any spiritual success you can have in your life. Because you think, well, I just have an addictive personality, so that's what I do to cope. Like I pop the pill, I drink the bottle, I look at the porn. It's just what I have to do because that's my identity. Okay, it's not your identity, but as long as you think it is, you're stuck. You're stuck. Or you think, I'm just bad. I stink at handling money, so I'm always going to struggle financially. I'm never going to get ahead. I'm always going to be broke. And so you just kind of throw up your hands and say, well, you know, I'm going to go on Amazon. Buy now. Buy now. Buy now. Or, or you think, I, I've never had close friends. I can't really trust people. And so you keep that false front up. You keep people at a distance. And you never let anyone in. Why? Because you don't feel like you're worthy to be loved. And there's this very deceptive cycle that the devil keeps you stuck in. And it goes like this. Your distorted identity leads to destructive habits. And then your destructive habits reinforce your distorted identity. You're tracking with me? You think poorly of yourself. So what do you do? You go out and you do something bad. Well, then after you did something bad, that just confirms that you weren't really honoring God along the way. So you're just thinking, well, that's just who I am. And so people, how do you break the devil's destructive cycle? Well, if you want to change what you do, you've got to change what you think of you. So this is why I need to tell you this. You are not, people, hear me on this, you are not who the devil says you are. You are not who other people may have said you are. You are not even who that little critical voice inside of your own head says you are. You are who God says you are. That's who you are. Jesus is speaking the truth about you, and you need to believe it. And so instead of having this distorted identity, instead you grow into a Christ-centered identity. I am who he says I am. Say that with me. I am who he says I am. Yeah, that's right. I am who God says I am. And folks, let me tell you, when you embrace that Christ-centered identity, that breaks you out of that destructive cycle. And it actually puts you into a new good cycle. This is on your notes too. A Christ-centered identity leads to Christ-honoring habits. And then Christ-honoring habits reinforce a Christ-centered identity. You do what you do because of what you think of you. So if you want to change what you do, change what you think of you. You're not who the devil says you are. You're not who others say you are. You're not even who you may think you are. You are who God says you are. 
And when you embrace that identity, it leads to Christ-honoring habits that then reinforce a Christ-centered identity. Is everybody tracking? You with me? All right, give me some thumbs up out there. All right, all right good. We're, we're there. Let me try to illustrate this a little bit from the life of Jesus. You know, we know from the Bible that Jesus, he was fully God and he was fully man. Now, the Bible says he never sinned like we do, but he faced all the struggles that we do as human beings. What does that mean? That means that Jesus got tired, physically exhausted. It means that at times he was emotionally drained like we get. In fact, we know from the scriptures that he was often disappointed with the response of his disciples and and other people he ministered to. So what did Jesus do in those difficult situations? Like, did he veg on his favorite Netflix series? Is that what he did? Sounds good to me, right? Or did he sneak into the kitchen and finish off the last couple brownies? Did he take a bath and, you know, have soft music and turn all the water into wine? Like, like, what did he do? Are, Are you tracking with me? Like his body is just exhausted and maybe he's feeling discouraged. What did he do? Well, if he asked himself, what type of person am I? What would he say? He would say, I'm the type of person who needs intimacy with the father. And what kind of situation is this? Well, I'm physically exhausted. I am emotionally drained. And what does someone like me do in a situation like this? They go and spend time praying to the father. And according to this book right here, Jesus often went to the Mount of Olives to do just that. By the way, beautiful place, 330 feet above Jerusalem, gorgeous view of this city where he could overlook the people he was praying for. And the Bible tells us how often he prayed there. Luke 21, 37 says, each day Jesus was teaching at the temple and each evening he went out to spend the night on the hill called the Mount Olives of olives. See, what did he do? Well, his habit was to teach in the day, pray at night. Luke 22, 39, and Jesus came out and went as was his habit. We're going to talk more about that next week, about holy habits. He came out and went as was his habit to the Mount of Olives. And hear me on this. Jesus didn't say, oh, I better try to pray. No, he was the kind of person who prays. And his habit of prayer, it reinforced his spiritual identity, which then strengthened his habit. Do you want to change? To change what you do, you change what you think of you. It always starts, people, with the who before the do. Don't forget that. In fact, turn to the person next to you right now and just say, who before do. Yeah. It's going to be a who before the do. See, instead of trying to figure out, okay, you know, what is it that I want to do? Focus instead on who you want to become. Who do you want to become? So I don't know, you might say, I want to be a mom who learns how to be fully present in the moment, wholly intentional. I mean, how many of you think that would be a good person to be? Let me see. Okay. God bless both of you. Okay, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> Let's try a different illustration. Uh, how about, you know, I'm a man of God who has found purity in Christ and doesn't look at porn. Or you might say, I want to be a man of God who is the kind of man who will lay down his life to serve my kids and my wife. That's a good idea. But you got to decide ahead of time, whatever the struggle may be, who do you want to become? And you say, I am someone who is sober and a testimony to the power of Christ to change a life. 
You know, whatever it may be, you've got to start with that. What do you want to do? Well, I want to do this. I want to be this, therefore. So you might say, I'm a Christian who reads the word of God every single day. That's just the type of person I am. You start with that. This is who I am. Or I'm the type of person who, who honors God, puts God first with my finances. You decide that ahead of time. You declare that ahead of time. So let's play this out. Let's say you decide, okay, I'm a mom who wants to become a person who is fully intentional, fully present in the moment. Well, then the next time that you're with your wife or you're with your husband rather, and and you're with your kids there and you're interacting and your phone goes ding, 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 ding. Okay, each time you don't look at that, what have you done? You have reinforced your identity that I am a woman who is fully present and wholly intentional. Or if you say, I'm a person who reads my Bible each and every day, then every morning when you wake up and you open up the word, what have you done? You have reinforced that habit and you're strengthening who you're becoming in Christ. You know, there's a fantastic book called Atomic Habits. Some of you may have read this. And in this book, the author says this, every action you take is a vote for the type of person you wish to become. No single instance will transform your beliefs, but as the votes build up, so does the evidence of your new identity. Why do you do what you do? Because of what you think of you. Now I want you to listen here to Ephesians chapter four. Paul says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, and here we go, here's what you do. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life. Okay, that's not who you are anymore. You've been transformed by Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. That's the lies we believe. We talked about that. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Who does that? The Spirit, the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Throw off your old nature and all those lies that you used to believe and put on the new nature and be who God wants you to be. Okay, when you understand who God says you are, then you can start living the way God says you can start living. And no single action will change your identity, but multiple actions over time, over time, will change the way you perceive yourself. And again, let me say this. This is true for the whole series. Jason mentioned this last week. This is not behavior modification. This is spiritual transformation. It's a big difference. This is not just behavior modification. This is spiritual transformation. And so I ask you, who are you? Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, if you put your faith in Jesus, you need to know the answer to this question really well. Who am I? Let me tell you who the word of God says you are. And just so you know, at the back of your outline, I've listed a whole bunch of verses. I would encourage you, here's your homework. It's gonna be cold this week. You're gonna be stuck inside, right? Just go through these verses. Let this sink into your mind. These are all verses about who you truly are that you may not believe. But if you put your faith in Jesus, the Bible says you're a new creation. Did you know that? The old's gone, the new has come. The Bible says that if you're a Christian, you are God's masterpiece, God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for you to do. 
You are the light of the world, Jesus said. You are an ambassador of Christ. Did you realize that? The highest ranking diplomat commissioned by God to declare his kingdom principles to this world. See, you're not who the devil says you are. You're not who others say you are. You're not even who you think you are. You are who God says you are, a child of the living God, completely forgiven, totally redeemed. And let me tell you something you probably don't realize. You have enormous power, more power than you realize. Because the very same spirit, the very same Holy Spirit who had the power to raise Jesus from the dead is living inside of you. That's the truth of who you are. So why do you do what you do? Lots of secondary reasons. But the primary reason you do what you do is because of what you think about you. And Jesus says, hey, by the way, the devil is a liar. And the problem is when I try to tell you the truth about who you are, you you just don't believe it. So people step in to the truth that's right here. Step out of the old nature, step into the new nature and be who Christ created you to be. Like God, it says, holy and righteous for his glory. Let's pray. Lord, it's, it's so amazing to me. <laughs> and it's fascinating to, to think about these studies that have been done and, and what goes through our brains and how we process things. And it's all your truth. All truth is your truth. And it cycles right back to what you say in your word, that we have to nail down our identity. We have to know who we are in you. In fact, over and over again, I think about all the letters from Paul He begins those letters to the churches with, hey, people, Christians, here's who you are. Here's what Christ has done for you. Here's your new identity. Now go live like it. So this principle is just repeated over and over and over again in the New Testament. And I pray that we can embrace that, that we would truly understand who we are in you, that we would let go of the lies we've believed, whether they're coming from ourselves or from what other people have told us growing up or even as adults or, or even the lies that the enemy can plant in our head. Lord, help us to cast all those things off. That's the former way of life. That's the old nature. And help us to put on the new nature and bring honor and glory to you in the process. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Hey, each and every Sunday, we have volunteers up front. If you need prayer, maybe there's an area of your life that you'd like somebody to pray with you about, or maybe you have questions about what it is to have a relationship with Christ, these individuals will be up front here. Otherwise, you guys go out, stay warm, stay safe. We'll see you next week.